0: Welcome back, Tribe, to the Dark Side of the Human Condition. If you are new here, we're glad you found us, and welcome. My tribal name is Freya, and each week we dive deep into the abyss to shed light on what is the dark side of the human experience that exists in all humans, everywhere around the world, from birth till death. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to diagnose, medically treat, any conditions, persuade, or change you in any way. So if you're easily triggered, or you feel the need to get professional help, please do so. What it is meant to do is inspire you to dig deep within your psyche, to challenge your views on this thing we call life. So with that said, let's dive into this week's episode. This week, we're going to take a deep introspective into the narcissist, also known as NPD, Narcissistic Personality Disorder. Now, let me say that when we are in the presence of a narcissist, particularly a lover or spouse, it can be exciting, exhilarating, and even magical like nothing we've ever experienced before. That is in the beginning, of course, when they're trying to secure you as a source of supply. You have something they need as in money, sex, shelter, admiration, social status, or numerous other opportunities that they're exploiting from you. But when things begin to go south in the relationship, as it always does with a narcissist, it can feel like we're in the darkest storm of our lives, like we've gone crazy or simply can't understand how our once great relationship could have ended up here in this unforeseeable nightmare. It can literally feel like you're lost at sea in a massive storm and the ship is sinking. And there's no lifeboat to be found. Well, would you believe me if I told you that you're not alone and that millions of people have gone through at the very least one of these types of relationships at some point in their lives? First, we need to break down what qualifies as a narcissist diagnosis and the difference between a narcissist and the person who's just selfish and mean, mean mean-spirited and immature. So we can figure out how to deal with the situation. The narcissist, I will say that in fact, that there's never been a documented case of someone being diagnosed with Narcissistic Personality Disorder, also known as NPD, being cured, not with therapy, not with medication, and not with religion either. Classified as a cluster B personality disorder and defined as someone who struggles to relate to others as a result they show patterns of behaviors most would regard as dramatic and erratic threatening or disturbing and are incurable according to psychological professional organizations it's believed that personality disorders stem from an uh, errant system of thinking and those affected don't understand that they have an issue. Unfortunately, those affected with this disorder inherently prevent them from self-reflection and the standard remorse and shame from hurting others. When determining whether someone is a narcissist, most people make it more complicated than it needs to be. There are no blood tests, MRIs, or exact determinations that can identify narcissism. Therapists have to observe the behavior and the attitudes that a person presents. So let's dive in and explore some of the traits and behaviors that are signs of a narcissist. And note that not all of these traits that we'll explore today have to be present to make a determination of narcissism. Because according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, also known as the DSM, which therapists use as a guide, a person needs to exhibit only 55% of the identified characteristics to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. So according to the DSM-5, a narcissistic personality disorder, is a personality disorder with a long term pattern of abnormal behavior, characterized by exaggerating feelings of self importance, excessive need for admiration, and a lack of empathy. People affected by it often spend a lot of time thinking about achieving power or success about their appearance. They often take advantage of people around them. The behavior typically begins in late adolescence to early adulthood and occurs across a wide variety of social situations. In some people, pathological narcissism may develop from an impaired attachment to their primary caregivers, usually a parent. This can result in the child's perception of themselves as unimportant, unconnected to others, and the child typically comes to believe that they have some personality defect that makes them unvalued and unwanted and undeserving of genuine love. Overindulgent, permissive parenting as well as insensitive over controlling parenting are believed to be contributing factors, which may lead to a sense of entitlement to special treatment and obedience from others to validate their self perception of being unique, superior, and associated with high status people and institutions, once they're out in the world. They tend to exaggerate their skills and accomplishments, as well as their level of intimacy with people they consider to be of high status. Other personality traits may include grandiosity, with expectations of superior treatment from people in the course of a conversation. They may purposely or unknowingly disparage or devalue you by um, overemphasizing their own success. They're often fixated on fantasies of power, success, intelligence and attractiveness. Their sense of superiority may cause them to monopolize conversations and to become impatient or disdainful when others talk about themselves. You see, the narcissist doesn't really care about hearing about you and what you want or need or desire. It's really you know, they'll bring the conversation back to them. Always. I mean, the eyes have to always be on the narcissist. So the narcissist has a constant need for this continual admiration from others It is believed that environmental and social factors are thought to have significant influence on the onset of NPD. Seeking admiration is like a drug for a narcissist. So I guess in a way we could say they're an addict, right? In the long run, it becomes more and more difficult to receive that level of adornment because others will eventually see them for who they really are. So, the narc is constantly searching for new acquaintances from whom they can get their next fix. This could explain why they so frequently change their social context and maintain only weak ties to others. Another trait would be that the narcissist is exploitative of others to achieve personal gain and according to the dsm-5 many highly successful individuals display personality traits that might be considered narcissistic only when these traits are inflexible maladaptive and persisting and cause significant functional impairment or subjective distress do they constitute narcissistic personality disorder Due to the high functionality though, associated with narcissism, some people may not view it as an impairment in their lives. Although overconfidence tends to make individuals with the disorder ambitious, it doesn't necessarily lead to success and high achievement personally and or professionally. These individuals may be unwilling to compete or may refuse to take any risks in order to avoid appearing like a failure. In addition, their inability to tolerate setbacks and disagree or perceived criticism, their anger can be disproportionate to the situation, but typically their actions and responses are deliberate and calculated. Despite occasional flare ups of insecurity, their self image is primarily stable, albeit overinflated. When they realize that their actions or statements have hurt someone else, they tend to react with contempt and to view it as a sign of weakness in the persons they've hurt. Many narcissists are intentionally envious of others and harbor the belief that others are equally envious of them. They usually mask these feelings from others with a feigned humility, or by isolating themselves socially, or they may react with outbursts of rage and defiance, or by seeking revenge. The merging of the infatuated self-concept and the actual self is seen in the inherent grandiosity of narcissism. Also inherent in this process are the defense mechanisms of denial, idealization, and devaluation. They may also display a pompous and arrogant demeanor. Pathologically, narcissists can be controlling, blaming, self-absorbed, intolerant of others. Others' views, unaware of others, needs and effects of their behavior on others. And they insist that others see them as they wish to be seen. You know, nothing less, nothing more, just... they want to be seen they may use various strategies to protect the self at the expense of others they tend to devalue denigrate insult and blame others and they often respond to threatening feedback with anger and hostility since the fragile ego of individuals with mpd is hypersensitive to perceived criticism or defeat as they are prone to feeling of shame, humiliation, worthlessness, over minor or even imagined incidents. So really, it doesn't even have to be something real. But in their mind, they're already guilty. Some studies claim that they're Emotions and maturity never really developed beyond the average age of six or seven years old. So we're really still dealing with um, arrested development, if you will, children. Generally, the symptoms of the MPD also impair the person's psychological abilities to function, either at work, school, important social settings, These traits must substantially differ from cultural norms in order to qualify as symptoms of MPD. The symptoms must be sufficiently severe to the degree that significantly it impairs the person's capabilities to develop meaningful human relationships. It is common for these individuals to abuse systems and use their advantage, such as organized religion, one of the easiest opportunities for a narcissist to misuse. Someone who obtains a position of authority within a religious community can easily use their role, not only as a source of supply, but as a false authority to cover their abusive behavior. Remember, supply, meaning manipulation, exploitation, and violation of the rights of others and or systems for their own benefit. That's supply. We should note that we are not usually their first victim by the time they show up in our life. So they've been perfecting their game with every person that they've used and abused over time. So much, in fact, that they became experts at reading people. They can change the mask to fit any given situation for their perceived outcome, you know, that they desire. It's like when you first meet someone, they are, of course, on their best behavior, right? Then little by little, once they feel they have secured your devotion and that you're not going anywhere. That's when the mass starts to slip. And it's put you completely in a category of the loser. You see, the narc has to always be the winner in every situation with every relationship experience, because the narcissist hates weakness. And the more disempowered you are, the more you display weakness. Your weakness just gives them more fuel and ammunition to attack you. Whether it's physical, emotional, or psychic, it's at this point that they start testing you just to see how much you'll take before you question the reality of the relationship. That's where their fun begins. The more you start to realize that something isn't right and that things are changing, but not for the better now, the gaslighting starts. And for those of you who've never heard that word or know what gaslighting means, um, it's basically a way that the narc starts to make you think that you're going crazy. Makes you think maybe you were wrong about the situation. Maybe you are the problem, and you then apologize and beg for the forgiveness. You now become their physical and emotional slave. You are now trauma-bonded with them. You begin to question yourself as to how in the world you could have allowed yourself to go through such bullshit at the hands of another person. By the time the relationship has finally reached its ultimate demise, you feel lost, confused, completely drained of all your energy. And it seems they hate everything about you, and you don't even know why. But truth be told, they really don't hate you. In fact, They have projected onto you their secret hidden hatred and low self-worth of themselves. Crazy, right? But true. This is their justification for the devaluation. And finally, the discard phase. As they move on to their next victim, who has no clue about who this person really is, the cycle starts all over again. They put the mask on that fits the new situation. So if there's no cure for NPD, as most professionals would attest, why would anyone seek treatment? Well, MPD is rarely the primary reason for people seeking mental health treatment. But when people finally do enter treatment, it is typically promoted by life difficulties. Their life has become impossible to maintain or to seek relief from other disorders such as major depression episodes, substance abuse, bipolar disorder, even eating disorders, or most likely at the insistence of family and friends. This is partly because individuals with MPD generally have poor insight and fail to recognize their perceptions and behaviors as inappropriate and problematic due to their very positive self-image. Although they subconsciously know deep down that this positive self-image is a facade. Their mask, if you will, as many NPD types really have very low self-esteem that even they refuse to acknowledge on a conscious level. And it's often in their therapy sessions that they may meet this mask, or if they have many masks. At this point, they may reject the diagnosis altogether, or they may take a serious look at how it's affected their every aspect in their life, and possibly attempt to make real change. If that's possible. I have studied psychology for four years at a local university and found that the dark side of psychology to be my most favorite of all of the topics. I also believe that I have a few family members and a few friends some are now ex-friends that I feel fit a lot of the criteria. Although they've never been clinically diagnosed, I bet if they spent some time in the therapist's office, the therapist would give a diagnosis of NPD. I've even dated a few. And... Um, they've ranged from more mild to the extreme actually and it's never usually apparent at the time that you're involved with them even if it's right there in your face it's after you've gone through the drama and the traumatic episodes and have finally reached your breaking point and find yourself outside of the relationship in some time you look back and wonder WTF was that all about? You may ask yourself, why would you end up with someone so awful? What draws you to them or them to you? I believe they have a special kind of mental radar that goes off when they meet an empathic person. An empathic person knows how to love, to be vulnerable and how to relate to others you know, other human beings on a level that the narc never can. So they zero in on that with you and secretly envying you and wanting you to hurt as much as they do or even more. You see, it's not about you. It's not about me. It was never about me and it was never about you. The quicker you understand that the sooner you'll be able to put this nightmare behind you and move on towards the healing process. So now that we've laid out some of the traits of the narcissist, which gender do you think is more prone to the NPD? You may be wondering. Well, experts have claimed it's men. As I've said, I have Several experiences with these types of personalities and have done my due diligence on the topic, and would have to say that I was shocked to find out more men than women suffer from the disorder. And the reason I say that and why I'm so surprised is because of cultural and societal norms, meaning. From early on in life, females are usually more subjected to being raised to look pretty, smell good, try harder, to be perfect little girls. And to compete for what they desire in their lives more so than that of the male gender early on. At least that's how I've seen it while growing up. But according to psychologist Frederick Simpson and his colleagues, they conducted a face-to-face interview with 34,653 adults and found that men are more narcissistic than women across the lifespan. They found that male and female narcissists both share a marked need for attention, yes, the propensity to manipulate and a keen interest in charming the other sex. This is so strong that some psychologists, including Jonathan and graduate student Nicholas Holtzman of Washington University in St. Louis, argued that narcissism may have evolved as a strategy to secure sexual partners in the short term. The ways in which narcissists of both genders pursue their sexual partners reinforces this possibility. They found that women who scored high on tests of narcissism consistently dress more provocatively than their more modest counterparts. Male narcissists resort to displays of wit and braggadocio. In other words, both narcissistic men and women engage in time-tested sexual strategies. They also report that more short-term hookups and a greater desire for this type of union is what the narcissist wants. This relentless short-term focus is key to both their dark charm into the predictable downward trajectory of their relationships. I dated one recently and he was dark and very charming and wanted the friends with benefits thing. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, I'd never really experienced that before. And I found that after a while I was like, yeah, no, you're just You're just a hoe, so had to cut that one and let him go. I personally believe that the creation of social network platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have enhanced the ever-evolving self-indulgence of the current generation and the up-and-coming future generation of narcs there has been much documented over the past decade regarding the effects on getting those likes and comments being like a drug like a hit of a drug so what can you do after the situationship with a narc has ended how do you get back to you how do you resist the hoover attempts and by hoover i mean they've been gone for a little bit and things haven't worked out with whoever they were with and so they start going through their little Rolodex and see hmm I wonder if she's still mad at me I think I'll call her you know they're bored or you know whatever their reasons are they kind of hover around you might send a text whatever it's widely understood that a narc will never really let you go if they feel you still have a weakness for them. They will leave you at a moment's notice and go off with the next victim. And once they become bored with them, they may try and contact you. Check your temperature, if you will, and see if you're ready for another round of their abuse. Don't do it. You already know how that story ends every time you fall for their bullshit it gets just a bit worse and maybe this time you may end up dead I mean it happens right or maybe you kill them in a fit of rage and you just can't take it well don't give up your freedom they're not worth it okay so it's important to take care of yourself okay It may become apparent that blocking them from calling you or blocking them on your social media may not be enough. You might need to move, change your job, your phone number, whatever it takes so they can't contact you or send in the fly monkeys. What's a fly monkey, right? The fly monkeys are those people in your circle and theirs that will track you in every move and report back to the narc. Okay, so they refer to this as gang stalking also, as they may even harass you directly. So I wouldn't even really call those people your friends. They need to be blocked too. You should concentrate on eating right, plenty of rest, Fresh air, exercise, you know, the usual. Take time to read things that you enjoy reading. Pamper yourself with some candles and a hot bath and get a massage, good music. Maybe take a yoga class, do some meditation. Take time to understand what you just went through. Most importantly, so that you don't find yourself involved with someone, maybe even worse the next time. they have a radar for people who are empaths and who have been deeply hurt and they will use that as their starting point to get in the door you swear that it will never happen again right and then another one may slip right into your life You see, when we talk about the mask that they wear to project out to the world, so different from what we think it would look like. It doesn't look like the monster we fear in our nightmares as they usually are very attractive people who portray intelligence, charisma, can be very kind and even helpful in the beginning. So take time time to learn what you just went through it's important to take some time out just for you to heal physically mentally and yes spiritually and you need to cut that energy cord between you and the narc because as they say where your energy flows so your intentions go they will feel that and yes they can feel feed off of it even if you're no longer together you know there is I read something about like this cord you know it's the invisible cord you need to cut it you need to let it go so feel the feelings no matter what they are the grief the anger the sadness even relief okay I know after I let my last narc go major relief I I was sad but I would think the most thing I felt was like oh thank goodness that's over man I could breathe right so feel it go through it all and sometimes you might feel a lot of them at the same time but that's okay just know that anything that comes up you must walk through it to get to the other side and you will It's just a matter of time. Go through each one of the steps of grief. One being denial. That's the initial stage. This can't be happening stage. You question how this could happen to you after all you've done to make the situationship work out, right? What you have to understand is that, again, I said, it's not about you. It was never about you. It was about what the NARC could extract from you. And when that was no longer working for them, as in the supply had no longer satisfied their selfish desires, you were no longer needed. The mask came off and you could see them for the evil that they are. And number two, anger, the why me? It's not fair. That's a healthy expression of anger. And I'm talking about working with the energy and getting it out of your body so that you can feel at ease with yourself. The more you deal with the feelings you have been suppressing throughout the situationship, the quicker you can heal. Take a kickboxing class, okay? Break something. Maybe not something that you like a lot or that you'll be upset later, but go to the Goodwill. Buy a bunch of old dishes and then throw them against the wall, like throw them on the ground, whatever. Like just break something, right? That doesn't mean anything to you. So the more you deal with your feelings, like I said, um, you got to get through it. I mean, you just have to do something to help yourself recover. But forget about them. Don't do something that will land you in jail because they're not worth your freedom. Okay? This is just a moment in your life. Think about your whole life and times people really upset you or whatever. It's like a lifetime ago now, right? It's like they're so irrelevant. And number three, bargaining. The please come back and we can make everything okay. How many times do you want to go through that? We find ourselves unconsciously begging God or the person who hurt us to just end our pain and make it better. Listen to me. There's no such thing. I've always heard they're an X for a reason. So you must walk through it. Okay. You need to learn from it so as to not find yourself in a similar situation again. Number four would be depression. Why bother with anything, right? These are the moments when we may find ourselves isolating, hiding in our shame, licking our wounds, feeling worthless and like there's no way out of the pain. There is. And you know how I know this? Because you're still here. I'm still here. We're all still here. Let the narcissist go, date a narcissist. And finally, five, you want to go through the acceptance part. You get there, however you get there. Everyone's path is different, but it's the part where you know you're going to be okay. It's that old saying, you can't see the forest through the trees, but you know it's there. And I like to refer to it, and I've said this to someone very special in my life, almost every day of his life, see the big picture. You have lived through a life altering experience. And you can either let it destroy you, or you can use that opportunity to learn and grow and come out even better on the other side. The choice is always yours. But the one thing I do know for sure is that even if you don't make a decision, you've still made a choice. So choose you. Now, I know there's so much more to be discovered about what a narcissist is all about. But today's episode was to bring you some basics to help you begin to unravel and understand what you're feeling And what you might be dealing with if, in fact, you think you may have a narcissist in your life or possibly you yourself maybe have some of these traits, right? We all do. I believe we all share some of the traits because of our ego. But it would seem to me that the big difference would be the lack of empathy for our fellow humans that may in fact be the division line here as our ego or ID ID, if you will, is something that we're born with as a survival mechanism for life itself. The ego can be contained with the inception of human decency A compassionate action towards our tribes seeking to advance humanity through our daily actions so I hope that was interesting I'm sure I'm going to bring another episode on it we'll dig deeper into it on another episode and as we wrap it up today we've come to our quote of the day so today's quote Seeking admiration is like a drug for narcissists. In the long run, it becomes difficult because others won't applaud them. So they always have to search for a new acquaintance from whom they get the next fix. By Mitcha D. Bach As we come to the end of the show today, I hope I've enticed your mind just a little bit Maybe you're asking yourself a few new questions and maybe found an answer to some. I'd love to hear your thoughts as to what you may have received out of this show today and what dark areas you'd like to explore with us here on future episodes. I'm looking forward to diving deep into many more fascinating topics with you and dissecting many more fascinating human experiences. For more info, please check us out at our site at tdsothc.com and if you like what you're hearing and what we're bringing you consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash tdsothc and remember if today has you feeling anxious confused triggered or even weary take a moment right now to quiet your mind to breathe let go of all distraction embrace your mindfulness focus your attentions on what you really want clarify and let go of that which no longer serves you and remember your determination is your power and your peace to realize your true purpose as these brief but mindful moments can allow a new path to arise so till next time walk in the light on the dark side right here where your vibe attracts your tribe.